Amen. Well, God bless you. You can be seated this morning. I want to welcome everybody tuning in wherever you may be on the summer slump. We're happy you're still tuning in live online where you can still be at church, whether you're on a beach, whether you're in a pool side, whether you're poolside, you can still be at church. Pretty amazing how technology works. But I'm excited because we are landing the plane of our final installment on unleashing the gospel. Show of hands, if you've been blessed by this series, I pray you have. I just got to brag on Christian as he walks off the stage. We were uh, grabbing lunch this week, and I've just been challenging you every week to ask the Holy Spirit for a moment to share the gospel with someone. And Christian was just telling me that he was talking with one of his coworkers um, where he works at, at tire discounters, and they got into some conversation. And man, you were just telling this, one of the coworkers you were talking with was really struggling, like, okay, God can use me. And you were saying that you took time past your normal work schedule, you stayed late, and you just began encouraging him. You just began loving on him. You began just sharing truth with him. Man, I just want to encourage you, like that's what it's all about in this series, that you kind of break the mold and you say, okay, just as we talked of several weeks ago when uh, God positioned a moment, Philip opened his mouth and God used him to speak truth, to, to show love and to share the gospel. So I pray through this week that um, you would again be challenged and that you would take this beyond just a series, but unleashing the gospel is a part of every day every moment of our lives. The gospel should be on our minds and we should be allowing ourselves to be transformed. Well, man, I'm, I'm excited to share this word with you this morning. And really what I've seen God is just kind of upping the ante or upping the dose of really confronting some things in our lives. And the word I wanna share with you this morning and just a uh, 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 a pre-warning here or a forecursor here is it might get up in your business a little bit. It might become a little personal uh, because the title of the message is Disrupt My Dysfunction. Disrupt My Dysfunction. Anybody got a little dysfunction in your life that you could use a little disruption in? Um, I said this first service, but if I were to ask you to raise your hands of if you grew up in a dysfunctional family, I'm not gonna make you do it because I'm looking out for some teenagers. I love you guys. We want you to have a good ride home. Uh, but there is this dysfunction that we all deal with in our lives, whether it's from our past, whether it's the reaping of maybe sin that we've not surrendered to the Holy Spirit. But there's dysfunction. And when the gospel meets our dysfunction, when we allow Christ to confront it, as we've established in this series, there is a saving work that Jesus does, but how many of you know there is also a freedom yes. that Jesus does as well? Like the dysfunction in our lives, the Holy Spirit desires to set us free from. A little theology for us this morning as I was just studying on this, is we see that the Holy Spirit's role is to bring comfort, right? Like the Holy Spirit is the paraclete, he's the comforter. But when we look at the life of Jesus and we look at his works on the earth, like Many times, like in conversation with unbelievers or anytime I'm counseling, one of the first things I'll always like to ask is like, what is your picture of Jesus? Because like there's so many different pictures and things that people or we have in our head of what Jesus is. But then when you open God's word, you're like, yeah, I'm not really sure that's who Jesus is. Maybe that's a Jesus that was, you, was portrayed to you. But 
that scenario, that perspective of Jesus, that's not the Jesus that we see in the Gospels. I think a lot of people get hurt or a lot of people make poor decisions because they have a wrong view of grace. They have a wrong view of Jesus. They have a wrong theology. And so this morning, and what God has just been stirring in me is what we see of the Holy Spirit being a comforter. When you look at the life of Jesus, he had a way of confronting like when you look from the Pharisee, when you look from the women caught in the act of adultery, we see that there was this confronting. But now when I say the word confront, the first thing that usually comes to our mind is something that's bad because we've experienced being confronted before by a boss or by a parent and it's usually ugly and it's usually not pretty. But when Jesus confronts, he confronts, he does not condemn because the difference between confronting and condemning is that confronting has the means to an end, like the confronting has the means to transform us when Jesus confronts us, when we allow the scriptures, when we put ourselves in front of the mirror and say anything that isn't like Jesus, let it die so I can be raised to new life. So my heart and my prayers this morning is that as we ask the Holy Spirit to disrupt our dysfunction, that we would allow Jesus to confront us, but at the same time, as he is confronting some dysfunction in our lives, as we've said, the Holy Spirit is that anesthesia to allow him to go in and do work and get some things out of us because we, we know in order to have more of him, things have to die so that new things can begin. Like that's the part, the hard part of the gospel. I said last week as we were talking about being people of the cross is the safest place in our lives is to be in the will of God. But the will of God is always found in the shadow of the cross. So being in the will of God is not easy. Is it worth it? Yes. And so this morning, as we kind of take this step forward, just from experience, from conversation, from um, different viewpoints and things, the thing that I see that robs people from really going a step deeper in Christ is them not us, them, we, not allowing ourselves to surrender some dysfunction in our lives so that we can be set free and that we can be healed. And so I want to look at a few things, but first, the reason why I believe Jesus wants to do this in our lives is this, and it's simply what the plan of God is and what we see in the early church. We said several weeks ago that we're an Acts 29 church, that we're a church that wants to continue the work of the Holy Spirit. But this is the plan of God. It's to take the lives of ordinary people for them to live extraordinary lives. Like he takes what's just simple in us, he takes what is seemingly ordinary. When the spirit of God breathes upon it, it empowers us by grace to live extraordinary lives for the kingdom of God. Aren't you thankful that our ordinary lives don't just have to be routine, just don't have to be mundane, but when you allow the spirit of God to take what's ordinary, he has a way of break of causing breakthrough in your life where you begin to see him use you you begin to see him line up situations and ultimately of where we're going this morning you begin to see the dysfunction in your life begin to be healed and set free of where the things that are struggles to you don't have to be but we're going to see the path of that and what the devil's strategy is to keep us comfortable in our dysfunction so we have to know that first and foremost that the gospel is all about transformation, that there's a metamorphosis, there's a regeneration from when you're baptized, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit. You just don't stay the same your whole life. You go from glory to glory to glory. You become transformed in your life. And so we see this in the lives of, again, when Peter and his brother and those in the boat with him were called. I want you to look at 
Mark chapter 1, verse 14. It says this. It says, after John was put in prison, and again, through the series, we've been looking of when the disciples were called by Jesus. So this is another vantage point or another viewpoint of the calling of Peter. It says, the time has come, he said, and this is Jesus talking of what the gospel is all about. It's to repent and it's to believe in the good news. Now, I think when you study the book of Mark, you'll see that Mark is much more direct than the other gospels because Mark has this passion to get to the cross, to get to the transformation. So you miss out on some details when you read Mark, but you're gonna see that he uses words like suddenly and he uses words as, as now, like he's just getting to the meat of it and kind of leaving out some details. So what we just read in verse 15, it's like a lot can be said there of what the gospel message is, but in a nutshell, it's to repent and believe the good news. So this is the message of the gospel right here. Going on, it says, as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew. Now we know Simon, uh, his name would be changed to Peter. And I love this aspect of the gospel because when you meet Jesus, when you repent, Aren't you thankful that Jesus doesn't see you in your past? He doesn't see you as your, your former self. He gives you a new name. He gives you a new family. He gives you a new inheritance when we encounter the gospel. So this is what we see taking place. And it says, they were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Jesus says, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Got to say this about calling as well is in order for us to experience what God has called us to, it always requires us stepping out of our comfort zone. Anybody experienced that before? When you feel this calling of God on your life, it always requires stepping out of your comfort zone. So it goes on to say, when he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets Here's where we see that immediately or without delay. It says, without delay, he called them and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and he followed him. Man, what we see established here is so much, but really what I wanna get across to us this morning, again, is this aspect of when there's a call of God on our lives, which there is for all of us, is that it requires us stepping out of our comfort zone spiritually. It requires stepping out of our comfort zone physically. You see that, uh, Peter here and Andrew had to leave their family behind. So immediately we see established that they had to leave what was known and what was comfortable. Now here's what's amazing too about this calling as well. As I think when we picture calling in our minds, we begin to see, okay, God's gonna call me to a different address or God's gonna call me to a different vocation. But what's so profound about this is he took them being fishers of men, being fishers fishermen to being fishers of men. So he took something they were already competent in. It's almost like, don't expect God to call you to the kitchen if you can't cook, okay? Like, God's not gonna do that to you, right? He takes what he's gifted you in, but what he does is, it might not necessarily mean a new address or a new vocation, but he expands your vision of what your calling already is. Anybody ever experienced that before? It's like he multiplies and he expands right where you're at and you begin to see the kingdom of God entering into the world you're already in. So this is what's so profound about this calling here of what we see begin to take place in their lives. But what I wanted to establish there before we continue on in the same breath and the same gospel lesson is that in order for us to respond to God's calling, we have to step out of our comfort zone. 
going on, we begin to see Jesus, as they've left their nets, that they begin to walk into Capernaum. And what we see in Capernaum, if you study what the name Capernaum means, in its Greek form, it means Capernaum. And what that would come to is village and comforter. So this would be known as the village of the comforter. So this is really where Jesus would start his ministry with the disciples. And it says, as they're walking into this town, the village of the comforter, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. So in the synagogue, Jesus is not the senior pastor, right? He is a visitor, and he is invited to come and preach. It's going to be amazing what we're going to see. It says, the people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as teachers of the law. Just then, a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit cried out. Before you go on, I want you to see here that this is a man in their synagogue so this isn't a priester. This isn't someone who comes to churches on Christmas and Easter. We love you, but we want more for you, right? Uh, this is a man here that is a part of their synagogue. So he's coming to church every Sunday. He's sitting under teaching, under Christianity per se. But then when Jesus comes into the scene, look what happens. And I'm telling you, this is what happens when we meet the real Jesus. We get confronted with some dysfunction. So this man hears Jesus. He's in church every Sunday, but something different happens when Jesus comes into the room. So he's possessed by an evil spirit, or in other words, for the sake of the message today, possessed by dysfunction. And he cried out when he heard Jesus. Verse 24, it says, what do you want with us? So this is the demon talking. Jesus of Nazareth, have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But look what Jesus says. He says, be quiet said Jesus sternly, come out of him. And when Jesus said this, the evil spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were also amazed that they asked each other, what the heck is this? What is going on? What have we just encountered? I'm telling you, when you encounter the real gospel and it is unleashed in your life, the demons, the dysfunction, the depression, the discouragement has to shake because it cannot stay when you are living a life of the gospel flowing in and through you. So I want you to hear this morning and I want you to begin to picture what your dysfunction is. I know mine, but I want to give it to God. I don't want to be comfortable in my dysfunction because really the paradox is you can't when you're having the gospel in your life because you have to hear Jesus saying right now, come out. Be quiet. And see, I believe here Jesus didn't have to work something up. He didn't have to have seven steps or do a seance or, or have a big worship team behind him because we know that even when power is whispered, it can be heard and people can be set free. So Jesus just took who he was. He took his authority. He said, be quiet and come out. I pray when you see your dysfunction begin to rise, when you see maybe your emotions begin to rise, you need to hear the word of the Lord where it says, be quiet and come out. This is the freedom that Jesus has available for all of us. You know, I think about comfort. And in the setting of a church, I've heard people want to join a church because they say, I'm comfortable here. But on the other end, I've also heard people say, I want to leave a church because I'm uncomfortable right? Like, I'm comfortable, now I'm uncomfortable, so see you later, right? 
So we see that there's these two different levels of comfort, and we're going to get into this, and I want you to really see the depth of how there's a comfort in Christ, but there's also a comfort the enemy wants to use to rob you and to keep you from seeing your dysfunction. I want to say this about the Holy Spirit because, again, Jesus is the one who confronts. And, again, he confronts because he loves us so much that the very thing he died on the cross for, he does not want us to stay in bondage to. His heart is for us to be set free and to experience the free, unmerited grace that is available to us this morning. I think about this, too, before the Holy Spirit. I don't want to get too ahead of myself. Is There's this passage of Scripture where Jesus is just feeding those following him comfort food, like he had crowds following him. But then there comes this point in the gospel that's always just shed so much light of who Jesus was and how he just kind of breaks the barrier of this Jesus who just kind of throws rose petals and calls us to follow him. Like that's not the Jesus we really see in the Bible, right? Like when he calls us, he wants everything and wants every part of our life. But we see where he says, eat my flesh and drink my blood. And the gospels literally say that multitudes that were with him turned away and said, we don't want any part of us. Like, that's not the Jesus we thought we signed up for. And we see people leave Jesus because of what he asked of them was too hard. So when we see the real gospel, again, we need to know what we're asking for when we're following Jesus. Now, here's the thing, what we see in this calling here is we see God, we see Jesus put a calling on these men's lives before they have any ministerial training before they really know what they're getting into. But see, there's something that's amazing of when you just respond out of simple faith, then as you begin to go on in that process, God begins to strengthen you. God begins to deal with dysfunction at different points and areas in your life. He knew that some dysfunction he was calling out in me that I could handle at this stage, not when I'm 21. Like anybody ever see that before? Like, thank God you, you gave me a little time because I probably wouldn't, wouldn't have been praising you through the valley at that time in my life. But now when you're bringing some things up, I understand and I can praise you through it and see some freedom take place in my life. And so I'm telling you this morning that to come into your calling, you'll be required to come out of your comfort zone. You know what's amazing too is we see the gospel established of repenting and believing in the good news is that repentance is really the key that unlocks calling in our life. Because repentance, we again kind of miss what repentance is all about. Repentance is a changing of our mind. It's a changing of our thinking. It's a changing of our broken beliefs. That I used to think about that this way, but then when I encountered Jesus and my dysfunction was healed, my dysfunction was set free, then my thinking toward that began to change. Like if your thinking can change, your whole life will change. Like life simply is a lot of the times about perspective, like what your view, what your worldview on things. And if you can get the word of God as your ultimate authority in your worldview in every area of your life, you'll begin to see your life change. Like that's my prayer, like align my thinking with the word of God. It's not easy though. It takes time, it takes process, but it's worth it. And so again, we see this call take place and we see this evil spirit come out of the man. You know, what's great as well is our heart and what you see revealed in the gospel and in the early church is that their heart was not just to proclaim the gospel, but to demonstrate it. Like, that's our heart too, is like, when you leave here, you can preach louder than I am by how you demonstrate the gospel, not just by what you say. We know what the world says, talk is cheap. Like, 
back it up. Well, we have power as believers to back up the gospel to unleash it, and that comes through demonstrating it. Now, we said previously in the series that many times when we look for the manifestation of miracles or of the gospel, we wanna see the spectacular, which God does do spectacular miracles, and we believe him for that. But in the practical everyday journey and everyday life as well, you can demonstrate the gospel when you wanna get mad at your spouse and react in anger, guess what? React in love, and you've just demonstrated the gospel. When you want to get mad at your boss or whoever and you want to gossip about them, guess what? You choose to keep your mouth shut and you begin to operate in love. You've just demonstrated the gospel. And so we see so many times when we choose to love, when we choose to be peacemakers, when we choose to allow the gospel to be unleashed, it's not just proclaiming it, but it's demonstrating it in every part of our lives. And so we see that exchange that God wants to take place in our life. So we see he goes into the village called the village of the comforter. And I want to come back to that, of really the, what's so profound about that. But as we're understanding again, that to step into our calling, we have to step out of our comfort zone. I don't know about you, but fear in my life really hasn't blocked me from my calling. Fear has been more of an ally because every time I have to step up outside of myself where I don't feel adequate, I don't feel qualified, I don't feel I'm ready, fear makes me cling to the gospel. Fear makes me cling to God where what's familiar and what I feel that I can just pace in and walk in, it's like there's no disruption in my life so I think everything's good. But when I'm fearful of this challenge I have to step up to, that's what makes me cling to the gospel. Anybody been there before? Like fear is more of an ally than familiarity is. Familiarity will rob us a lot of the times of seeing God want to do a work and bring transformation in our lives. And so we see this dysfunction cry out from this man. And I want you to see because the enemy has a way of taking the comfort that God provides us in the valley and using it to really kind of make us not see the dysfunction in our life. Because if we're we're comfortable in our dysfunction, we will not change, right? Like, you ever been too comfortable where you're like, in all cases, I really don't want this little world of mine to be disrupted because it, it, it just kind of works right now. We're like, deep down, you know that's not the high call of God. That's not the abundant life that's available. But you're like, I don't want to go there because of what it's going to require of me and what it's going to take for me to be set free of some dysfunction in my life. But I want you to see this scripture. And this is a great pastoral scripture. And this is one I pray over the body when there's those going through trial, tribulation, sickness, pain. But look what it says because it really labels out the purpose of God's comfort in our life. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 5 says this. It says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those. Pause here. We see what Paul is setting up is like this mission and this purpose for when you go through something, the comfort that you receive from God is almost divine. If you've ever been through grief or trial and you experienced this comfort, you knew it was God depositing comfort in your life because you ran to him. And so now it's saying that same comfort you experienced, I'm not just doing that so that you walk through it. I'm now going to equip you to then go comfort someone else when they go through something similar. So it says, for just as the sufferings of Christ flow into our lives, 
so also through Christ our comfort overflows. I was reading and praying this, praying through this scripture. And again, I began to think and ponder of how the enemy uses comfort to hide dysfunction. And like my prayer is, and this is a dangerous prayer, but that God would come and disrupt some comfort in my life because it's only by the disrupting do we really begin to see. Like if you've ever been confronted, your world is usually disrupted and you're really open to what the exchange is taking place. But when there's uh, confronting that takes place through a heart of love, through a heart of the Holy Spirit, when uh, you're reading the word of God, then you begin to open up and maybe see it this way. Have you ever talked with someone or seen someone where they're like, there's dysfunction on their life? Because we never see it in ourselves, right? But we're, we see it in others. And like, you know, there's dysfunction on someone else, but they don't see it at all. And you're like, how do you not see that? But then they're looking at you and saying, I see dysfunction on you. How do you not see that? And so we know like everyone's got their junk and everyone's got their mess. But the heart of the gospel and the reason I wanted to end it with this message is, is because the enemy wants to keep you comfortable. He wants to keep you lukewarm. He wants to keep you mediocre. He wants to keep you familiar so that your world does not get disrupted so that you're never transformed and that you never change. See, the gospel always beckons transformation and change in our lives. Because Amy does not want you to demonstrate the gospel in any place and any part of your life. So we see this, and this again is where we see Jesus rebuke his own miracles in cities that he did them in. And when I was reading this, I'm like, how does Jesus rebuke the miracles that he did? Well, it was because, and I want you to see this in Matthew eleven twenty. look what it says. It, it's captioned, woe on unrepentant towns. It says, then Jesus began to denounce the towns in which most of his miracles had been performed because they did not repent. So he's saying that there were towns where they saw the power of God move. They saw people healed. They saw demons cast out like in Capernaum, but they did not repent. And I think we live in a world that is so visual and that sees the things of God, but we never allow it to become personal where we begin to repent, where we begin to fall on the altar, where we begin to say, God, change me, change my heart, come out of me, dysfunction. And so we see 11, Matthew 11, 23 through 24, that Jesus addresses the city of Capernaum, which means, again, the village of the comforter. Look what it says. It says, and you, Capernaum, will you be lifted to the heavens? He says, no. You will go down to Hades, for if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed even in Sodom. If you know Sodom in the Old Testament was a town that was so prideful, that had such sexual dysfunction. And so we see that he's comparing it to Sodom, that it would be better, like Sodom would be better off than you. So that's, you got to see the weight of what's being said there. It says, but I tell you that it will be more bearable for Sodom on the day of judgment than you. So it's saying, you saw God move. You had the opportunity to repent. Jesus was physically in your town, yet you did not receive him. You did not repent. You did not allow the gospel to address your dysfunction. So he rebuked them. See, this is my prayer as a church, and this is my prayer in our personal lives, that we not be so comfortable, that we not be so distracted that we don't allow the gospel to address our dysfunction. I'm telling you, it's probably the hardest thing that you open yourself up to, but when you do, that's when you experience the most change in your life. 
practically speaking, get people around your life that aren't just good to you, but are good for you, right? Like get people who love you enough to say, I see this in your life. I see the fruit of it. I love you. Change, you know, repent, get before God, pray, hear the Holy Spirit. Because it's in those moments of when you truly do begin to change. I was thinking about dysfunction too, and it's literally in the name, dysfunction. Like dysfunction can be fun. Like I think that's why we don't address it because like, Say you're scrolling on social media, you're seeing everyone else's highlight reels, you're comparing yourself to them, which we shouldn't be in the first place. And you begin to feel bad about like your present situation, right? Because you see God blessing them, God using them, you name it. And so what do you do? What's our fleshly reaction? It's how can I criticize that person or how can I down that person so that I feel better about my situation or feel better about myself? Like many times we just cope and we numb ourselves with dysfunction. Like we, we find it comfortable. Think about comfort foods. Like when you are having a rough day, like, come on, I'm not the only one who's ate the whole bag before. I know you can't tell here, but we run to things that give us comfort that aren't God. And what we just read in the scripture in Corinthians is if you don't run to the God of comfort, then comfort can actually disrupt your life and pull you away from God. I even think about comfort friends. Like we know we have people in our life that aren't really gonna challenge us. So when we just wanna be, uh, we wanna be justified in how we feel, we run to some comfort friends who will make us feel good about our decision or make us good about our situation. Where in that case, they're not good. They might be good to us, but they're not good for us there. And so again, you have to check your circle. You have to check your life and look in the mirror and say, where is comfort robbing me from the call of God? Because that's the very place when you allow your dysfunction to be disrupted, I'm telling you, you'll experience the power of God. You'll experience his touch, you'll experience his hand, you'll experience his transformation. You've heard my dad's story before in brief where there was dysfunction in his life and in our adult years, we've had conversations where he said, I made these decisions in my life so that you wouldn't have to go through what I did, that he addressed some dysfunction so that wouldn't be part of our story. I'm telling you, like, dysfunction goes far beyond just little comforts, but when you begin to deal with dysfunction, you begin to deal with the root of things. Pastor Joyce preached in a renewal night that Jesus cursed the root of the fig tree. Like, many times we just see the surface and try to deal with the surface, but when you begin, again, to pray that dangerous prayer of, Lord, disrupt my dysfunction, he will get to the root of things and begin getting things that are deep and, gr- and grounded in your life that will not only set you free, but literally change your family line, literally change your generational line. Like that's how big this is when we allow God to deal and to heal and to disrupt our dysfunction. But what I feel again, the word of the Lord is this morning is it's come out. Like you have, to, when you meet Jesus, you have to allow the spirit to come out. And when we saw the dysfunction try to come out, right, it was kind of messy. Like the man started shaking and convulsing. Like imagine the spirit of God touched someone and that began happening here. It'd be like, what, what is happening? What is going on? So you have to understand that it's not just like, I wish I could just pray for you and it would come out, which that is like the initial part of it. But then you have to begin to walk in the freedom now that you have. You have to begin to know I'm a son and daughter of God and that's not my story. That's not my path. That's, not my, that's my past now. That's 
can't come with me. Like, I have to drop that baggage there, that dysfunction there, and begin trusting God and begin walking. And as I take each step in faith, guess what? The cycle becomes a little more watered down. The cycle becomes lessened. And I begin to see the gap of where I was and where I am. And I look back and I say, wow, God, the power of God is real. And it's moved simply by me taking steps each and every day and walking and allowing my dysfunction to be disrupted. Anybody believe that this morning, that the Holy Spirit wants to say, come out? I'm telling you, this stuff is real, and this stuff will bring transformation in your life. Here's the challenge for you. What have we allowed to become comfortable in our presence? What have we allowed around us, whether it be relationships, whether it be addictions, whether it be unhealthy habits, to become comfortable in our presence? And what's occupying space in our lives that needs to die? That's what I want you to think about this week. I know that's super encouraging and I know that's like super uplifting, but I'm telling you, when you begin to think that way, because what we've established in this series too is when we ask for more of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit looks right back at us and he says, I want more of you. So to be filled with the new life that he offers us, the things of the flesh have to die and we have to take hold of the things of the Spirit. And so I'm telling you, when you begin to walk this way and you understand that Jesus is confronting me, he's not condemning me because confronting has the means to bring transformation. Condemnation does not. Condemnation will make you feel guilty. Condemnation will make you feel endless and hopeless and that there's no hope for your future. But when you allow Jesus to confront you, that's where the process of transformation takes place in your dysfunction. So in closing, I want you to bow your head. I want you to close your eyes. And I want you just to go before God right now. And I pray as through this study, some dysfunction's been revealed in my life. I pray right now that you would just ask the Holy Spirit, say, Holy Spirit, reveal some dysfunction that needs to be healed. Disrupt my comfort right now. I'm tired of coddling. I'm tired of petting it. I'm tired of falling into depression. I'm tired of falling and being discouraged. I'm tired of embracing maybe a lukewarm faith, a mediocre faith. God, I wanna be all in so that the gospel can be unleashed in my life. Holy Spirit, right now, I pray that you would reveal some things that we should not be comfortable with in our presence, that we begin to remove them, that we begin to push them aside and ultimately surrender them to you, living a surrendered life so that we can be transformed, we can be changed into the image and into the likeness of Jesus. As you're praying right now, I want you just to begin to think, and I want you to begin to picture yourself as you have before of what your life could look like if you didn't have the dysfunction in your life. I'm talking go deep right now, things that you have not you've just given up on. You've just said, this is going, has to be a part of my life. This is just a part of my story. This is just who I am. I pray right now that, Holy Spirit, we would stop indulging our insecurities, but we would give them to you. We would run to the God of all comfort, who uses the trouble, who can use the pain to be a means of transformation in our life. Well, we don't ask why is this happening, we ask, what are you doing? What are you trying to accomplish in my life? 
that dysfunction would be disrupted from this day forward. And as our dysfunction is disrupted, begin to see your children set free. Begin to see your grandchildren set free. Begin to see your family line changed because you took a stand against your dysfunction. God, I thank you that someone somewhere has to take a stand. God, I pray that we would be a church that takes a stand, that we've seen your power, we know your power, but let us not be rebuked because the very thing we were called to, like Capernaum, to bring comfort to those in affliction and comfort those in trouble, the enemy used to flip on them and he kept them comfortable where they never repented. Father, right now we repent of broken beliefs. We repent of our thinking. God, put our thinking on what the kingdom says, on what the Beatitudes are, on what Jesus reveals. God, we want to think as Jesus thinks. We want to act and live as he lives. God, that we know that we can't be comfortable with darkness because you called us to light. So God, I pray as we close this series right now that the gospel would be unleashed, that the light of God would be released in our lives, that we would be contagious Christians, that people would want what we have because we serve a God who is awesome. We serve a Jesus who says, come out because I've called you to something greater. Come out because that depression can't stay with you. Come out because I love you and I want you to know it for yourself. I just whisper it to him, just say, come out of me. Dysfunction, come out in Jesus' name. We love you, Jesus. We honor you. We thank you that you're good. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I pray again you take